Hi, I'm Irwin McManus. I want to welcome you to the Mosaic Podcast. I want to also bring you into some exciting things that are happening here. If you go to the Mosaic app, you will learn about our conference coming up this year, about MSC's new album and their tour across the country. And you can learn how to connect and be more involved in Mosaic in so many different ways. And by the way, we now have the Mosaic YouTube channel. And you can go access not only these talks, but other fresh and new materials that are being created specifically for that channel. And so if you want to be connected in a richer and fuller way, uh, not only be a part of the podcast, get to the Mosaic app and get to the channel, and we'll see you there. If you're here, maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you're part of this community, I'm going to assume that you're here because you're expecting, in part, that the living God, the God who created all the universe and orchestrated all of the galaxies and spun the planet that we walk upon, will move through these four walls and move powerfully in your life and speak something that would enrich your life. And that thought alone is an amazing thought, isn't it? That the God who created everything is a speaking God. That he speaks into our lives and our lives get better. And have you ever felt like sometimes it's hard to decipher the voice of God? If you're interacting with faith at all, You'll have that journey where you're, you're trying to hear and understand this voice that everyone keeps talking about. And you're trying to decipher between the voices already in your head. And if you're like me, maybe you've had times where you've thought, is this my voice or is this God's voice? Anybody had that question? Anyone had that question? I just want to make sure that I'm not alone in that. And you've wondered, you know, what is that? What is it to have this voice in your life, it's, it's funny that it's so hard because the heavens seem to get it. In Psalms chapter 33, verse 6, it says this. Psalms 33, verse 6. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, all of the hosts of them, by the breath of his mouth. So we understand that the heavens already know his voice and are able to hear and understand. And the sun gets it. Genesis chapter 1, 3 says... And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So he, he spoke. It was this sonic vibration that catalyzed the movement of everything that he created. And it started with his voice, right? So he, he spoke, let there be light. And all of the elements at the time got that tweet, and they put together the sun. And he said, that's good. It seems like every living being that God created, has the capacity to hear and to understand. In fact, I found a recent article. It talks about plant life having this capacity. It says, Rex Cocroft and Heidi Apple, two researchers from the University of Missouri, discovered that plants can actually hear when they are being eaten and respond accordingly. They discovered that a plant from the mustard seed, from the mustard and cabbage family, of which I cannot pronounce, was able to sense the vibrations from a caterpillar who was munching on it versus the vibrations from, say, wind or insect noise. When the leaf hears and identifies these dangerous sounds, they secrete extra mustard oil as a defense mechanism that can kill the caterpillar at a higher dosage. It gears up for war, says Apple, and scientists have been astounded by their level of intelligence. See, these plants live or die on this simple capacity, the capacity to hear and to understand. 
This is it. If we could master this, if we could look around and learn from the trees and the sky and the universe and the galaxies, they would all tell us this secret. Guys, if you just could hear and you could understand, you would thrive like everything else. I want to thrive. How about you? I want to be able to have this capacity to do these things. And so the amount that you hear God's voice and respond to it and understand is the amount that you thrive in your life. This seems to be a principle, a universal law, something that's true. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he begins to explain to the crowds in Matthew 13. Let's turn there together and look at it. Matthew 13. It says this in verse 1. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew, grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do, you speak to the, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Jesus was a master at storytelling. These parables were stories and images and metaphors that met the needs of the people of the day. They understood farming. When he was explaining farming, it wasn't like what I have to do now for us because we're not farmers. I have to explain the metaphor. But for them, they got the metaphor. If he was talking to us, he'd probably talk about the iPhone. Technology. He would explain things in our world that we would understand as the kingdom of God. But he's ex explaining to people in that time about farming because they understood it. So he says the story, right? A farmer went out to sow some seed. And he threw some seed on the path. He threw some seed on the rock. He threw some seed on the thorns. And oh yeah, he found good soil and he puts seed on that soil and out explodes so much produce that was beyond their wildest imagination. And that was the story. Now, if you had been there and you didn't get the secret explanation of this story, what would you hear? What would be your takeaway? These are people who know farming. They understand what it is to farm and to throw seed. So you think, well, this, this is... This is, this is good. This is about um, not throwing your seed to the path. Yeah, I got that. Don't throw it by the rocks. Yeah, don't, don't throw it by the thorns. Plant it in good soil and a bunch of explosions of great produce will happen. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good, strong message. I can, I can take that and live better. Thank you, Messiah. <laughs> I'm glad I came. Paid a lot of... Money for these tickets. I'm glad this is, that's helpful. You know what the problem is? Is there's, there's, what Jesus was explaining is that there's a difference between being part of a faith and living by faith. There's a difference between 
learning about the things about life and experiencing life. What was the difference between the disciples and the people on the shore? Why did Jesus seem so harsh to the people and not being willing to actually explain what was happening? What was the difference? The difference was the commitment, right? Their devotion was different. The people that were on the shore, they were going home after they heard the message. The people on the boat, they didn't have a home. They were with Jesus. They were going with him because they'd given everything. You see the difference? People come because they wanted to see what they could get from God. And the others, the disciples had given everything, and they wanted to be with God. They wanted to be with Jesus, to follow Jesus. And Jesus was explaining the amount, the measure by which you are devoted to him is the measure by which he shares with you his secrets and his life. And it's the same like a regular relationship, right? If you're going to spend time with me and you stand me up several times and then we hang out, I'm not going to share like every part of me with you because you're not committed. Isn't that the same thing? You have in a relationship, your devotion merits my devotion. And when you don't have that, it doesn't, it doesn't work the other way, right? Jesus is a, a real person. God is a person. And you can always see the truth by watching regular relationships. This is a normal thing that God's saying. If you don't really want to know, you will never know. You know how you can have more wisdom? Grow in your hunger. Desire to know. And God will show you what it is. And this is the difference that's happening here that he begins to explain to the people who are listening to this story. And then he, he tells them about four soils. And I like this illustration because I think, I always think about Genesis, how we're made from mud. We're made from the soil. He, he talks about four soils and he compares us to the soil. And, and when he says in Genesis that he breathed into us, this is, this is true. We're connected to the soil in that way. So he begins and he, he unwraps it in verse 18. He says, listen, then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. So it starts with the heart in verse 19. Now these, this is what you can learn from the parable of the sower. These are people who do not want to deprive themselves of pleasure or comfort. And, and they hold in their heart a hardness. How do we know this? Because the seed fell among the path. It was a footpath. A path that people walked on, animals walked on. You don't put seed on this path. This path was beaten down until it was like concrete hard. You couldn't put seed, you put seed on top of it, it would never penetrate. This is what he says, and the seed that he's saying, the truth that he says, when he speaks to us, our heart, our heart grows hard, it goes calloused. We're unable to let it sink inside. And this is the calloused heart. Now, I have a confession to make. I'll give you an illustration. I love meat. I love meat. I have a relationship with meat. Ever since I was small, we've been together. <clears throat> Meat has never let me down. Meat just, it sings to me when it's cooking. And I come and I spend time with meat. It's always been faithful. It's given to me. I've given to meat. I've taken from meat. It's a one-sided relationship, but it's been faithful to me. I, I love meat from the depths of my heart. I love meat. Salad, not so much. Salad I could do without. 
In fact, if Salad was a person named Salad and he was waving to me at a party, I might like, you know, wave back, but who is this guy? I would hang out with meat. Meat, carne asada and chicken and sausage, like it takes me places. When people invite me over to their place and a bunch of, you know, guys get together, they say, hey, we're going to watch the game. We're going to, you know, we're going to grill out, get a you know, bunch of meat. We're going to get together. I am there. Even if I don't watch a lot of sports, I'm going to go for the meat. I have to admit that. People don't, guys don't get together and they say, hey, we're going to hang out and, you know, get a, watch the game and get a salad bar on, you know? So bring carrots, tomatoes, you know? If that ever happens, guys, do not trust it. That is not healthy. So I have this desire to have, a, I have this relationship with me, and yet as I get older, my doctor's, my trainers, my wife, and even now, occasionally, my children are telling me, Dad, you need salad. You're getting pudgy. It's abusive. And I, and I have this time where they're, they're telling me I need to have a relationship with salad. Take salad to lunch every day. I don't want to take salad to lunch. I don't want to get to know salad. I have a deep, faithful relationship already. Why would I cheat? And have this, but I... I, I I find this struggle. See, I hear, but I don't understand. Because the cost is too high. You feel me? I don't want to understand. We can clap for that. I don't want to understand. And the word for understand is realize. I don't want to realize ignorance is bliss. I want to stay in there as long as I can. And this is what he's saying to you. In your heart, you hear the word, but you don't understand. Not because you're dumb, but because the cost is too great. The cost is too high. And he says, when the seed comes, the evil one comes and snatches it away. You know why he snatches? He snatches because he doesn't want you to spend time with the truth. He doesn't want you to to get used to it. He doesn't want you to live free. So he snatches it as quick as possible. You know the grace of God? You know what God does? He gives you this space where you still hear the word. You hear the message of God. And in your memory bank, it's still there. And that's awesome. That's a gift that we, we have that. Some of you may... Feel like your heart's been trampled on. Like it is that footpath and it's, it's callous. And you don't, you don't have a desire to follow God. You don't have that desire. It's too hard. It's too difficult. But you may have somewhere inside of you a desire to desire God. You know what I'm talking about? A place where you, deep inside of you, long to desire. You're just, you're just not there. And I want you to know something. Some good news tonight. That's valid. That counts. If you, if you say, God, I just I can't, I can't follow you. Because I just don't, I, I don't know what to do. My heart can't fully get on board. But I desire to desire. You give that to God. And you snatch it back. And you think about what he's saying to you. So that you can, you can live free. 
And if you don't have a desire or a desire to desire, then I want you to know one thing. That the evil one is the one who pulls the strings. And I want that to be, I want that to make you really mad. I want you to know that he pulls the strings for you. And he snatches it away. And he steals your future. And I hope that makes you mad. And the next thing he says in verse 20, he talks about strength. It says this, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This is a person, these are people who survive. They move from one thing to another. They're, 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 they're just filled with crisis. They don't have follow through. They receive the word with joy in their hearts. So their heart's there, but they don't have the strength to carry it through. And so they move from one thing to another and they move. And as they move, they gain a flaky reputation. Boy, that guy's, that guy's very excitable. He's, he's really excited. He just doesn't show. You know people like this? Very excited. They, they think that commitment is a feeling rather than an action. This is the difference. What he's saying to us is he receives the word with joy, but when, when trouble or persecution comes, they fall. Because they have no roots. And what are roots? Roots are storage units for nutrients and vitamins, for it to come up and actually Build this powerful plant inside of you. Roots are the private world of the plant. The plant is the public world. And what he's saying to us is that we have to win the battle in the private world, in our private world, before we win it in our public world. And if you win the battle, if you, if you have a space... <laughs> if you have a space in your private world where you decide... God, I want to follow you. I want to honor you today, no matter the the cost. If you have that in your private world and in your public world, there's persecution and there's trouble that's overwhelming so hard for you that you fall in your public world. Because you have a private world that's been strong, you will bounce back up. But if you don't have it together in your private world, if you're moving from thing to thing, you're you're just surviving in your life, you're not building that private world, and you don't have that nailed down, and you're put together in your public world, everybody sees and thinks they're doing fine. It is just a matter of time that when you fall, When trouble and persecution comes and you fall, oh, how far you will fall. Because you have no roots. This is what he's trying to tell us. He wants us to grow in strength. There's a a, a new guy who came to to Christ about two weeks ago. I've been spending time with him. Teaching him how to walk with Christ. And he said that he has anger issues. And he, he gets angry because people disrespect him at his job, something we know nothing about, right? And so, so he has this anger issue, and he's like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I just, I can't break this need for respect. I said, your need for respect makes you human. Every person who's normal has a need for respect. The difference is when you gave yourself 
to Jesus. You traded your, the honor of others for the honor of the living God. That's what you did. And so God, the creator of everything, gave his life to you and called you worthy of his love because of who he was. And he honored you by, by taking your life and giving you a new perspective, a new life. How much honor do you need? God himself honors you. And if you can understand that, then you can stand against any humiliation that comes at you. This is strength. You can clap for that. This is the capacity to, to have strength. So, he said, so I said, okay, so here's what I want you to do. The next time someone makes you angry, I want you to serve them in some way. See, because your mind doesn't realize, it's not renewed yet, that your soul has completely changed with God. So your mind believes that the old owner is there, but a new owner is there now with so much resource. It may never exercise strength if you don't play it out and test it. So I want you to serve this person in some way. Get them water. Say something kind. If you're too angry, just say a prayer <laughs> for them. Just exercise your strength so you can see that it's real. This change is real. And finally, he moves. And he says, in verse 22, he talks about the mind. He says this. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. I want you to look at verse 7 as well. When he first tells the story, it says, Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. See, here's the idea. You're no longer being deprived. You're no longer surviving, moving from one thing to another. But these are the people who strive in life. These are the almost there people. In this place, you, you've, you've given God your heart. You've received it with joy. You've found a way to grow roots, and now you're growing. And now you have the strength. You've kept your word. You're moving, and you've gained wealth. You've gained some success. You're, you're moving forward in your life. But these thorns have been there, and they've grown up with you, and they take over your mind now. Your strength is there. Your heart is there. It's just your mind. Your mind has been plagued with anxiety, with, with worry. It says the worry, both worry and the deceitfulness of wealth take over your mind. And so these two things happen. You, you strive and though you have wealth and though you have success, you lack the power to enjoy it. This is the place where worry dominates your mind. And it's interesting, right, that God would connect worry to the deceitfulness of wealth. What's, what's the deceitfulness of wealth? The deceitfulness of wealth is the promise that wealth and success will bring you peace of mind, will bring you satisfaction. If I could just get that next deal, that next relationship, that next role, it's going to finally satisfy me. I'll know who I am. That's the lie, right? If we think about it for a second, we know that's a lie. But we're lured by this deceitfulness of wealth, and it connects wealth to worry. And so here's how it works. He says, 
if you have this and you're, you're connected and overwhelmed by this, wealth and worry can only be disconnected by generosity. See, if you would give generously to God and his kingdom through the church, they'd be disconnected. Here's why. And you know, it's, it's amazing that God set this up. It's called tithing. Okay, I know. Give me a second. It's called tithing. He set up a payment plan as a mind gift for you. If you give 10% of your income, that's every dime on a dollar. If you begin to give to me and my people and my kingdom, this tithe, 10% of your income, and let me build your wealth, I'm going to build it. And guess what? I'm going to disconnect worry, and I'm going to take worry as I build your wealth. And every month you'll be reminded that I'm taking care of you, and it will build your faith, and peace will take over your mind. Isn't that crazy? But here's how he works. He's such a gentleman. He says, hey, but if you want to, if you want to build your own wealth, go ahead. You just got to take worry with you. It's that annoying little brother. He's always whining, always in your ear. But you can go ahead. You can provide for you or I can provide for you. But if I provide for you, we're going to go places. This is the power that God gives us over worry. If we would hear and if we would understand. And the last one is your soul. He says in verse 23, it says this. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is all of you. This is what it is to thrive. And there it is. This is the person who hears and understands. You see that pattern? Hears and understands. Your heart is given to God completely. You receive his lessons with joy. You take your private world and you build your strength in your private world. You grow roots deep and you begin to grow strength and you're faithful with little and God entrusts you with more. You give your mind to God totally and you begin to be generous and give to his kingdom and the movement. And your mind is taken over by peace and Finally, your, all, your soul, the rest of you is given. You hear and you understand what God has given you. And it says, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. What is this produce that he's talking about? What is this fruit inside of us that God wants us to have? Well, it says it in Galatians 5.22. It says this. Galatians 5.22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. This is it. This is what he wants to give you. He wants to give you these fruits in abundance. And just think about them for a second. Don't... Picture them on some card somewhere. Just actually think about the power of these. In your heart, God wants to give you love. He wants to pour inside of you so much love. You know what love is? Love is greater than fear. 
Love is more fierce than even death. Love is the most powerful force on the planet because we didn't make it up. This is from God. He gave us love. He wants to give us joy in our hearts. Joy. You know what joy is? Joy is an understanding that when it's raining and there's a a typhoon and a storm and all you see is black clouds, you know somewhere that the sun shines continually. This is joy. And now we can clap for that. God wants to put joy in our hearts. He wants you to walk with that no matter what, to have joy as our strength. He wants to give your heart kindness. The scripture says that his kindness leads us to repentance. He wants to show you kindness. You know what? It's not that God wants to do new kind things for you. He just wants to take that calloused, hard heart and soften it so you can see he was always kind to you. He is always kind. He is always giving us kindness. He wants to fix that filter inside of your heart so you could see his kindness is there. And then you could be kind to other people. With your strength, he wants to give you faithfulness. He wants you to have the deep-rooted place where you say, I will keep my word even if it hurts and I get new opportunities. He wants your yes to have weight so that you grow in your influence. You build your reputation. He wants to build faithfulness. Did you know that faithfulness was a fruit of the Spirit of God? You have faithfulness because you have the Spirit. So exercise it. He wants to give that to you. He wants to give you gentleness so that when, when they shout at you like they do, because they are powerless and they want to humiliate you, when they're shouting at you and humiliating you, you can stand and give a gentle response. And people can see your strength. There's something different. This person doesn't slander. This person doesn't gossip. This person doesn't vent and fight back. They're, they have something else going on. He wants to give you gentleness. He wants to give you self-control. He wants to tame your tongue, where your spirit is in charge of your body. And you have mastered your soul. You're not stuck in some sexual addiction. You have control over your words. You know when you vent to somebody, you, you expect to feel better, but you never do. You know what I'm talking about? You always feel worse. You never get the payoff of venting to, to people, Right? This is what God wants to cure us of. He wants to show us what self-control and strength are. And then in your mind, he wants to give you goodness. Oh, the creativity of God, that the good he wants to put inside of our minds. But they're so crowded with worry that we miss our future. We miss all those good things he wants to give you, that he wants to give us because of that anxiety in our life. God's heart is an ocean. His mind is a sea. We do not have to swim in the aquarium that everyone else does to find the future. He wants to speak to us and give us good things. He wants to give us patience in our mind. He wants to help us understand this is a fruit of the Spirit. How many good decisions we would have made if we just would have been patient 
How many fights would we would have avoided if we had patience? And finally, he wants to give us peace. Peace of mind. You know, peace is so foreign to us. We actually think the brain and the mind was made for worry. We can't imagine a place where there was no more worry in our minds. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace that transcends our understanding will protect our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He wants us to have peace all the time. 30, 60, 100 fold. You know what those are? It's beyond our wildest dreams if we lived this way, if we had these things inside of us, the kingdom would flourish in Hollywood. The kingdom of God, if we were a people that had love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if we, if we had these things as a people, we would change everything. This is what he wants to give us, and the opportunities will come 30, 60, 100-fold more because of what he wants to give us inside, the fruit that he longs to give us, if we would hear, if we would understand. Several years ago, I ended up in the hospital for five days because I had such a bad infection on my leg, and I... They didn't know what was wrong with me. They gave me all kinds of antibiotics, trying to take it away and try to help, but it wasn't being helped. And so the doctor comes in and he says, well, if it doesn't get better, we're going to have to open it and clean it off. And I, I was like, okay, I hope it gets better. And he came back at nine at night and sure enough, it wasn't better. And he says, okay, we're going to have to, to, to clean it. So he comes in and he brings all the instruments which were not for playing music they were sharp and frightening. And, and I, I was, you know when you have an infection? If you've ever had an infection, it's that one place that you protect that you don't want anyone to touch. You're trying to be careful. And this was it. They were going to go to war with that part of my body that I wanted him not to even touch. And, and so I asked in like a man way about being knocked out. I was like, Doc, are there like drugs or anything that I, you know, he stopped me, interrupted. I'll never forget what he said next. He said, my friend, there is no way we can do this without pain. And I thought, we are not doing this. You are doing this to me. I am fully doing this. But I said, okay. And I sat back and I thought, if we're going Western style, is there like a horseshoe I can bite on or something? Just, and, and he came and because the infection was going straight from my heart, he, he came and he cleaned it out and it was just disgusting. And it was more painful than anything I'd, I'd ever experienced. And Jesus looks at you and he looks at me tonight and he says, my friend, there is no way we can do this without pain. This is 
the difference. Jesus is not a vitamin. He's not an add-on. He's not a new, improved addition to your life. Aren't you tired of just hearing the stories that are just good stories? Standing on the shore. Don't you want to jump into the boat and go on the adventure that God has for you? This is what God calls you to. This is what he's offering. But it's going to take your whole life. Your whole life. It's going to take everything. And you may be experiencing so much pain that you can't imagine. Giving this up and losing everything. But I want you to know that that's exactly what Jesus did for you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic. To go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation. To become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.